Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. The rugby season in the Southern Hemisphere is over. And we have got a good chance to look back at how it all went. Brent Hall joins me. We've got Mates. James Parsons on the big screen, beaming out of the beach. Look at that Wi-Fi. Better than what's it doing, mate, yeah. eh? No, it's just bliss, lads. How are we? Yeah, Not too bad, mate. Very well. Surprised to see you with your shirt on. <laughs> hey, mate, if you're in the right, you can have it off sometimes, you know? Mate, when you're looking like a number 12, mate, and not a hooker, mate, you can keep that off as much as you want, mate. Most If you're wondering what we're talking about on Instagram right now, yeah. there are pictures of James Parsons with his shirt off. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a little plug for you, boy. Here you go. I love it, I love it. Are there any contributors you need to uh, thank for this? Or is it just you and hard work oh, yeah. in the gym? Yeah, a bit of, bit of hard work and a few trainers helping me out. Um, and I suppose uh, you always got to thank uh, the wife. You know, she puts up with a lot of stuff, so she's always doing the hard yards behind the scenes. Wow, nice. she's got the skucks of the year. Doesn't she? The skucks Very of lucky. The year. Very lucky. Does she know George Bridge? What's that? Does she know George Bridge? If she's got the skucks of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. George Bridge, for you, for me, my wife is constantly going on about Richie Moonga. Oh, yeah. Honestly. honestly like that. Every time there's a game on, uh, Richie Moore. Is it just the full package? Looks and yeah, the way the he plays works, Kicking the goal. Seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. You know, it is, I'm just like, oh, man. Could someone get Bowden back in at 10 for a moment? <laughs> you'd, jump on that, you'd jump on that, wouldn't you, jump? Oh, mate. Bodie's my man. You know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've finished the season. Bryn, you got to play in that final game, the, the Māori Pacifica game. Mm-hmm. Good game to be involved in. Yeah, it was. Look, I think um, I think that kind of week was a really condensed week, and um, we're pretty fortunate that you know a lot of us have actually played together, and um, it probably added to us having a little bit more continuity um, in the game. But look, in that kind of occasion, I saw the hucker. It was um, it was a fantastic occasion to be able to stand in front of that with um, with the different types of huckers and um, the minor Pacifica boys really getting behind that, and then um, then us being able to do the hucker in front of them as well. I know talking to Mikey and even some of the you know, Gerard and Sione and that, and those boys being able to um, have a hucker go against them, you know, they really enjoyed that, and then I think it just flowed onto the game. It took us five minutes to get our breath back after the huckers, but um, <laughs> no, it was a great occasion. And um, you know, there's some young guy, young guys in our team that I thought really stood. Oh look, I thought it was the best game I've ever seen Sean Stevenson play, and 
um, that kind of environment brings the best out of people like that. And um, yeah, look, you know, the guys even like Quinn and Billy Proctor, guys that haven't played at that level, um, you know, I thought they were outstanding on the weekend. And then you've obviously got Ash Dixon, our mate, who got to meet, meet Pi, but um, yeah, the way he conducted his week and bringing in Liam Messam as well, he was great for our group. And um, it kind of just added to the occasion. And um, you know, hopefully it is a regular fixture because I think the Moana Pacifica team definitely have a place to play, whether that be with um, a fixture like that or we'll probably talk about with 2022 with the Super Rugby team, bringing mm. them in. And um, hopefully it can be a regular fixture because you know, they're well very deserving of um, having that fixture. Let's talk a little bit about those hackers. Tell me, how does it feel when you're facing something like that, when you're involved in it yourself? You've, I mean, mm. you've got to do your own performance, obviously, but also seeing what's coming at you. Like the emotions, is it spine tingling? Like what does it feel like to be in that moment? Yeah, it's spine tingling, that's probably the best way to put it. And I think the best thing for us is we actually got to see it first. So it really added to that kind of spice and even gave us more mana around doing our haka. And then, um, you know, obviously being in the Maldives, it's a massive part for us to be able to connect with our with our people and then the ancestors and um, everything that's gone before us. So you know, even in our jersey, we've got specific things that come back to us as as Maldi. And, um, you know, whenever you get a time to, um, to do that, especially with, um, with Māori players and have a really good understanding of what a haka means to us and um, and then again being able to see the Moana Pacifica boys I thought they did outstandingly for a, for a group that have three different hakas and three different mm. cultures um, or even more cultures than with Nui and, and that kind of stuff it just added to it and um, like I said you give that much more passion it probably takes you about five minutes to get over the haka and um, have a few deep breaths and get some water in but no nah, mate any time we get to do that um, it's pretty enjoyable. Jipper you obviously watched the game what did you make of it? Yeah, really enjoyed it actually. Um, both sides came to play, um, you know, and I suppose statistically it's shown both both sides ran over 400 metres and both sides kicked under 20 times. I think uh, the Maldives uh, kicked 19 and um, 14 for the Moana Pacifica. So they brought into the spectacle. I think both game plans were pretty physical early, uh, which one will probably attest to. I saw Liam Messam throw him into a mall. He was looking for another meat pie and uh, hung uh, him into a mall and made him join it. Um, but look, I think uh, it was an exciting um, atmosphere, good conditions, and it, it was played in the right spirit. Uh, but I think uh, the dominance of the New Zealand Māori came through and, and you know they really went to their weapon, which was their line-out, um, and they were really effective around there. And then I, I agree with uh, Brenner, I thought, um, well, I'm actually going to give Brenner and Opiri a plug as well. I thought they controlled the game really well. Uh, Bryn with a great ball as well to set up uh, Caleb Trask, who ran a great line. Uh, but young Quintapaya for me was just mm. exceptional. Uh, 11 yep. carries, 75 metres run. Uh, you know, he was he was a real gun uh, and, and had to do some some tough carries in there as well. They weren't just all the, the try setting up little grubbers and, and that awesome try that set up for Billy Proctor, but he did some really tough game line carries and, and I suppose post-contact metres, which were impressive. And as, as Bryn alluded to, the Ford pack led really well by um, Ash Dixon and Liam Messam and, and the rest of them just rolled their sleeves up and did the business. Mm. The best thing about this game is I think because it was such a good game in the end and, and the result was, was a tight one, mm. that it showed what this could be for the future. What do you think it should be? Should it be a single annual fixture? Should this be a small series that's played? Where does this game fit? Well, I think, again, it should be a regular fixture, um, whether that be a uh, one-off or a Tri-Nation series that we've kind of talked about before. You have, um, you know, the Māori, uh, the Māori Pacific, and then maybe New Zealand Barbarians teams have a kind of Tri-Nation series. 
um, that's you know that's one avenue we can go down. Um, we're probably going to talk around the Super Rugby aspirations that they have and um, whether they whether you can have different rules around players being able to play in that straight away, whether they can get out of contracts or not. I'm not too sure, but um, I definitely think there, there's a place for them 100%. And you think about how much they've done for New Zealand. We've talked about this before. How much they've done for New Zealand rugby, and I know where it's really important for us, New Zealand Māori, because you know it's obviously where we're from, and um, we have great representation with us being able to play Test matches through there, but. Uh, the Moana Pacifica are definitely deserving it to be there. So I'd like to think hopefully that the powers that be will be able to sort out a solution with where, with that going forward because you know I definitely you can see on the weekend how competitive it was and you think about they've only been together for seven days, getting all those cultures together where we're very fortunate that we've actually played a lot of footy together over the years. So um, they will just keep continuing to keep getting better if they're given the opportunities and um, if anything it'll be way more competitive and um, we'll see the guys and the names that um, are deserving of to play at Test Match Rugby which again all black selectors can see and um, have aspirations for playing Super Rugby as well. Jipper, mm-hmm. the last game of the season feels natural to me. A, a celebration at the, at the end of the season that feels like a good place, especially for those who get to stand up to a, a Test match level Correct. and finish their season there. Does it feel right to you being at this time of the year? Oh, absolutely. I think um, yeah, that's when you want to be playing those sort of Test match intensity. And we spoke about uh, both coach and staff sort of driving that standard during the week. Tony Brown uh, coming out publicly and, and obviously Tana Umanga the Moana Pacifica and, and it is that that test match atmosphere for a greater depth of playing talent uh, mm-hmm. which is only going to bolster uh, New Zealand rugby and, and I suppose the spectacle that it is for the fans and what, what we can offer you know um, via Sky Sports and, and getting along to the games. The hard part about this fixture going forward is that if Moana Pacifica make it into Super Rugby in 2022 um, they will have an entire season to get their stuff together whereas the Māori team might not have as much time, which would make it quite unfair. So do you then look at a different way of selecting this particular team, Moana Pacifica, as opposed to the one that's in Super Rugby? You know, do you widen the, the aspect for not just players who play for them in Super Rugby, players from across the board for that particular fixture? Um, a really good question. I think if it just continues to be the way that it is, then we keep it as it is. But I think if it goes into the Super Rugby aspirations and they'll be able to play consistently, I think then maybe that fixture might might be different because you know they're playing Super Rugby um, and then maybe, yeah, you, you go from there. But um, I'm actually probably not too sure. That's actually a really good question, Ross. I'm actually, yeah. not, I'm actually, actually probably, not too sure. It's probably under a potential another banner. Um, yeah. You know, mm. like it can be picked under another banner and then you could look at maybe adding in, not a warm-up game, but a game before that uh, fixture stay New Zealand Māori versus uh, New Zealand Barbars and, and then it gives them a, a week and a game under their belt and then it can add to that spectrum in terms of their preparation. And then it opens it up to potentially pick other um, Pacific Island players from around the world and, and make it mm. even a, you know, a stronger depth of squad uh, to, to grow that, grow that uh, fixture going forward. What about even players, let's say the, the Māori Pacifica players, um, uh, Indigenous Australians as well, maybe from an Australian side that came into it if it was a Tri-Nation series. I mean, we saw the Australians um, put uh, an Aboriginal uh, twist on the start of the anthem, which is um, long overdue. Mm. Maybe that is something New Zealand rugby could organise with Australian rugby. Yeah, I think it is. I think any time you get an opportunity for, you know, the Māoris, Māori Pacifica, and then obviously Australia Aboriginal um, team in that sense, they can um, bring all cultures together and it'll just be... Um, I guess a celebration of, of our cultures and being able to bring everybody together. So 
Um, I think preparation time will be key if those conversations are had because again you need to have that preparation time. So, but any time you can um, you can include other um, other cultures with teams, then it's only going to add to a spectacle and um, and, and so it should be. So, um, it's a great solution going forward. But again, hopefully COVID that you know it's be able be able to make us go forward and having those conversations, being able to actually get out to go other countries to Australia, Australia fly in in that sense. So. Um, now it'd be a good movement moving forward, definitely for sure. You're in front of the list for the vaccine. Oh, that's it, mate. Come on, <laughs> that's it. So you know, hopefully, you know, t 2021. Hopefully, the you know the vaccine will come in, and then yeah, there's opportunities for us to actually go abroad and um, have this conversation because it'd be a great spectacle moving forward for mm. rugby worldwide. The other thing about this team that makes it really interesting, uh, the Moana Pacifica team, is that when you look forward to 2022, you people are going to have a choice. You know, I suppose people are contracted through to whenever with their contracts with NZR and they might be with the Crusaders, the Hurricanes, whoever that might be. But there might be a lot of players who are involved in that game um, on the weekend who think, actually, this is the team I'd like to represent. This is a team that I truly connect to. Yeah. Um, should there be some sort of license to allow players who feel that way to walk out of their contracts with whoever the Super Rugby team they're in with to go into that side to one make them as strong as they possibly can be and two make it the team as authentic as it should be for with people who are truly passionate about it mm. i think yeah you'd have to because but in saying, in saying that you want to be competitive you know so we talk about 2022 it's probably actually not a long time um to be able to grow that if, if you're talking around other than super rugby contracted players in new zealand to to be in that team for 2022 so whether there is a license around or a little loophole around players being able to go to that Moana Pacifica team, because uh, no doubt it'll probably be based, if you think about it, in Auckland would be a great spot mm. for it to be based. And so the biggest thing, I guess, for them moving forward and for the competition is you want teams to be competitive from the get-go. So um, whether New Zealand rugby can um, fly it under the New Zealand banner and them having um, been able to run it with um, um, a collaboration with the Moana Pacifica team, um, then it makes it a lot more open and it's a lot more competitive because I think going forward, Jip, it's probably really important for the 2022. Um, we've talked about when there's been expansions before, the competitiveness of the new teams coming in, you want that at the at the forefront. So I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, look, I think we have to make sure that it's not weighted in one favour or the other, not weighted in you know the team's favour or the individual player's favour. I think you've just got to come to a solution together because you don't want people walking out and then leaving a hole uh, for other Super Rugby clubs. So it's, it's just, I suppose, having a discussion at the table. And if you're that passionate about it, finding a solution in a, in a controlled manner, because you can't, uh, you know, a contract's a contract at the end of the day. And, and if you can come to an agreement where it works for everyone, uh, then perfect. <coughs> if you give a blanket rule where guys can just walk on out, uh, it might just make it a little bit murky and probably not give it the start it deserves. Uh, there are a lot, there'd be a lot of attention around that where we want the attention to be about the, the rugby uh, and the opportunities that lie ahead for, for the game. Mm. There are potential things where you could create quite a lot of controversy there, aren't there? You know, there will be people who will be upset because things might not necessarily go their way. It's not, and, and that's not what we're doing it for, you know. It's, it's mm. not about that. It's about creating opportunity and creating more pathways for, mm. for players um, and, and showing... I suppose a way to to their dream and their goal, and um, you know you want it to be a success and a positive success and a positive adjustment on the game. And I think everyone just needs to keep that in the forefront of their mind. Mm. On top of that, we've had very very good Super Rugby Aotearoa, and in fact, the New Zealand Conference for five or six years has been just humming, mm. which says to me that there is there is room 
for more New Zealand players to play at that level. There's obviously the depth there. Mm. Um, so, you know, whatever the title of the team may be, and it is brilliant that it's Moana Pacifica to give back, um, but it does show that there is definitely a chance that that team could be competitive from the start if selected in the right way, and whether it was a draft that was held or whatever was mm. done to make it work. We have that talent. Because there are injuries constantly happening in Super Rugby and people constantly stepping yeah. up. Well, you even see around, um, you know, the media outlets around saying, you know, teams, players that have missed out on Super Rugby contracts, mm. and they're right, a starting 15 or 23 that's, that haven't been given opportunities. So, again, if that flies under the more Pacifica band, um, you know, Pacific Islander players, then, then great. But then again, there's so many other players as well that miss out, that aren't of Moana Pacifica um, mm. descent. So, do you give them an opportunity to be able to fly into that band and get them to play in that and that and that as well? Because, um, like you said, Ross, there's so much talent in New Zealand, and it's another avenue for us as a New Zealand rugby to have a New Zealand rugby team or more a Pacific um, team to fly into the New Zealand banner or um, collectively with New Zealand and other um, nations, um, Pacific Islander nations, to, to come together and form a competitive team. Which, again, there's so much depth in New Zealand and to give guys opportunities as well that they probably need. You know, mm. there's guys that deserve to be playing Super Rugby, and it's another avenue that they can play to stake their claim for high honours as well. Yeah, it does definitely, if a person decides to leave, let's say leave the Crusaders to go into that side, mm. that does leave a hole for somebody else. And people shouldn't forget that. Like, there is, that it's, it all works for the greater good. Yeah. Um, I suppose the thing that uh, Bryn just brought up, Jibber, and I, we're going to get into our things of the year, um, our review of the year and our awards for the year, but we might as well jump straight into that particular thing right now. Because Bryn said, you know, people have missed out. Who is the unluckiest player in New Zealand rugby to have missed out on those squads that happened on the weekend? Well, for me, and I mean, it's going to be seen as biased again, but um, Murphy Tadamai for mine. Uh, he's just an absolute workhorse for uh, North Harbour at number eight. And I thought he was exceptional. You know, he came back with a broken leg, and when he got his chance with the Hurricanes last season, the one game he played, he was he was just exceptional. And sometimes I think it can be misinterpreted that he might be a little bit small for number eight or super rugby level, but he, he's honestly a little pocket rock and a lot stronger and more powerful than um, people understand. And he's just mm. got a big, huge engine and he'll just go and go and go. So I was really um, gutted, I suppose, for him as an individual, but uh, for, for teams... You know, to miss out on someone of his talent. I think the beauty is, um, is if there's an injury or say there's some spots uh, where the All Blacks come back late, he, he'd be a great add-on um, or addition to a training squad uh, to have him in the, in the environment because he's a great uh, bloke off the field as well and fits in anywhere. So based on his uh, performance in Mighty 10 Cup and, and what he did for North Harbour at the back there, I think he's my most uh, um, mm. unluckiest to miss out. But there were so many to pick with pick from to be honest and just like you alluded to the, the depth in New Zealand rugby is, is exceptional uh, we do have to remember there is a big step up from Mitre 10 Cup to Super Rugby and getting that form um, at Mitre 10 Cup to Super Rugby is a different kettle of fish and that's why I went with Murphy because I know he's a proven performer at Super Rugby mm. What about you? I'm going to go Josh Mackay um, you know a guy that's been um, in and around that Highlanders environment for you know for, for, for a few few years now and you know, I thought his performances, you know, under pressure and what not playing for it, you know, more so playing for a contract. You know, I thought he was outstanding for Canterbury. Um, we were also, I've always known about his um, his speed, but I think the biggest thing that I've really enjoyed him was was, was his game management this year, being a triple threat mm. and being able to kick, run, and pass, and being able to be an influential player in that team that probably needed something like that with um, you know the likes of Braden Enor and um, and a young backline apart from Drummy. Um, you know, I thought he he stood up stood up massively, and um, you know, for a guy that's probably that's we talk about. 
know, might attend Cup to Super Rugby level. He's been at that Super Rugby level. He's been there for three, four years at the Highlanders. And um, and look, I thought he was deserving of a, of a Super Rugby contract. And the beauty of the thing is, is that um, there's going to be injuries. And, you know, he's going to be that replacement player like Jip talked about with Murphy. So, um, yeah, I thought Josh McCoy was really unlucky. And, you know, I've seen it... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity throughout um, 2021 because he's deserving of that for sure. But just as well, I just want to congratulate uh, Murphy Tatamai as well. He just got recently engaged <laughs> as well, so uh, as my roommate. So um, yeah, yeah. Good on your Murphy, mate. Got selected for something bigger. He did, mate. Bigger picture, <laughs> bigger picture. Him and him. So um, absolutely stoked for them. So right on for you. Yeah, fair enough. Tony Lambourne's another name that comes to mind. Yeah, that he obviously made a big impression at the Blues this year, Chipper. Oh, he was massive, and, and look, I mean, it's a hard one. Dylan Hunt is an all-black. Um, he's a local lad for us, so, you know, unfortunately, you know, he, he is an exceptional player as well. Um, but I thought he might slip in um, to the Highlanders set up there. His ability to play six, seven, and eight. And they went with Billy Harmon, I think, for that contract where, where Dylan, when Dylan slipped out. But, again, another player that will certainly uh, slip in as a replacement player and... and I mean, we know Super Rugby out there. I was going to need mm. a number of players. Mm. So these guys we're talking about are going to get opportunities, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we will see them in Super Rugby at some stage. Mm. It's difficult for players like him. When you look at Tony's career, you know, he's had little opportunities and then they haven't quite worked out, whether it be through injury or whatever. He's been in and around for a long time. Guys like that have got to play in their, play in their lives. They've got families to support. They've got all those kind of things. You know, people just talk about this as a straight-up selection, but this time of the year for some guys is really, you know, really got the cut and thrust. Like, mm. it, life changes. Yeah. That's difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in on, on Tony there, just understanding he's an Eagles player, so it is a little bit different as an international. Um, mm, yeah. and, uh, that, that probably comes into account when those super rugby coaches are making those decisions. But if it was on out-and-out -out performance, he's, he's definitely worthy of super rugby. But, you know, we don't know where he's at. He might end up somewhere else uh, around the world as well. So mm. um, but you're right, Ross. It's a brutal time of year. Um, and, and, you know, people... They've got to make tough decisions, and, and that's just unfortunately the nature of the beast that we live in. Mm, and with COVID around, you know, it makes it even more uncertain. You can't just necessarily pop over well, somewhere and start a contract. I actually think COVID was a great eye opener for a lot of players, and understanding that it all can be taken away really quickly, and having that backup plan, and, and being really clear and concise of where you want to go post career. And um, so I think I think you know out of a poor situation or a really hard situation that with COVID comes, you know, I suppose opportunity to think about where you can go to. And, and um, I think that was a great eye opener. It, it certainly, you know, for someone like myself, I feel like I've prepared as well as I can for life after rugby. But then when it was on your doorstep, you, mm -hmm. you're thinking, oh, I need to do something now. And what can I do? You know, like it's still a really daunting process. So I think that that COVID experience and I suppose a little bit of nerves and in, in your stomach around what could be what could sport look like or what things could look like really opened your eyes to getting that preparation uh, more realistic and nailed down. For you Bryn did you have a good think about it? Obviously four Super Rugby titles deep you've got to start thinking about what's next? No you do and I think um, for us we're pretty fortunate that you have your, your personal development plan with the, with the Crusaders and, and all Super Rugby teams have that, that aspect around um, life after footy so but no, it is right when that kind of when that happens, especially if you don't have contracts and you're not too sure what you want to do life after footy. Then, yeah, it's it's quite scary to think about it. So, um, but I, I think we're pretty fortunate down south. We know 
obviously we're going through the lockdown period. Um, Jenny and our, and our performance development program, um, they were pretty good around uh, making us all pretty aware and it was an opportunity, we, we saw it as an opportunity to try and um, think outside the box, you know, you're not being able to play rugby but how can you develop yourself as a rugby player and, and also as a person outside of footy, being able to, again, prepare for if rugby wasn't, we, know it's gonna, we knew it was going to happen again but again, when that comes right at the front door, you've got to be able to try and think, oh, shit, what am I going to do? You know, what's, what's life going to be after rugby? So I thought we were really good. Jenny was awesome around having programs and players to go do stuff and to, to better us as rugby players and most importantly as, pe as people moving forward as well. The one guy who went away and worked on his rig, by the sounds of it, got a new knee and a new hip and also got his mental health the way that he wanted to be was Liam Squire. Now, named in the mm. Highlanders, this, for me, is, well, not a game changer, but boy, it turns the battle for the All Blacks number six jersey jipper into an absolute war. Oh, it certainly does. Um, but when you look at the loose forward trio mm. that he's fighting with, the spot of the Highlanders first and foremost, he's mm. got to get through that battle. Um, that was the one thing I really liked to hear uh, after his announcement was what Tony Brown said uh, around, he, he was, uh, uh, Liam was really frank and honest around where he thought the Highlanders were failing and he wanted to be part of the solution and he was going to bring the, the hard edge that he felt was needed. And I think when you've got a player of his skill set, his experience um, and his talent, saying things like that and a commitment that is you know pretty strong by the sound and, and not afraid to vocalise it and what he wants to do, I think that's the most exciting part for the Highlanders first and foremost. And then once he can get, um, you know, I suppose his feet under the table there, then you, know, you can start talking about the All Blacks and... Sick. And we know he's all black quality. We know he's international rugby quality. So if he's playing well enough, he'll be he'll be picked, no doubt. But um, he's got Shannon Frizzell, who's pretty good at six, and he's and he's got the young man Marino Mukiali too, who's just had an exceptional year uh, with ball in hand and, and defend, defending like a monster out there. So um, you know, and you've got Mr. Loy there from Otago. You've got Billy Harmon that's added. You've got James Lynch. He's coming back. So I mean, there's. There's going to be a fight for spots in that loose forward trio. And I think if you look across every squad, the looseies is probably the strongest area of every game. Hmm. It's pretty tough to stop them getting over the advantage line with three looseies like that. Well, that's any time you get a chance. You know, we're playing against Liam Squire and his physicality and um, is, is second to none. So when you can add someone like that with that experience coming back as well into a group like that, again, you lose Dylan Hunt, who's who's done great things for them, but again, any time you can add someone of that calibre uh, with the leadership and especially with um, a guy that wants to come back and be the solution like Jipper alluded to, um, it's only going to be infectious for your team moving forward and you know, adds competition and depth into that squad. Um, you think probably about last year, a little bit young, but um, you know, when you've got a guy like that who um, has international quality, knows what it's like to be a Highlander first and foremost, and I think Tony um, is really big around that. And I think mm. he said in the media around, you know, we just lost our way a little bit and what it was to be a Highlander. And when you can add a guy like that who has a pretty good understanding of what the culture is like from his days and moving forward to what it is to be a Highlander, um, you can only be beneficial for him moving forward um, and, the, and the group moving forward. Yeah, but that's something you guys sort out of the blues, right, as well. You know, figuring out the identity is a massive thing for a team like this. Oh, absolutely, and he'll lead the way. But I also think it's great um, you know, adding a player like him just sort of sends a shot across the bow to you know, all the other <laughs> sixes that are in the All Blacks at the moment. You know, you've got Akira, you've got Cullen Grace, who's an up-and-comer. You've got you know, even Hoskins Tutu has the ability to go six and eight, which is similar to, to Liam. And I think it's just going to bring the best out of everyone in that environment. You, you know, you've just got players everywhere wanting to put their hand up to their All Blacks. And then you add Liam Squire to the mix. Um, it just really heats up that competitive edge and as a competitive athlete, you know it's going to bring the best out of so many other people. Yeah.
I think as well, you know, you're refreshed and ready to come in as well. Sometimes when you go, um, when you're in that hot seat in, in New Zealand, and especially for Liam, when you've been in that all-black environment and that mm. kind of stuff, and been able to have, um, you know, you've got expectations of being all-black and playing at this certain level. Um, you know, sometimes going overseas refreshes you, and you get a, more of an appreciation of what it is to be back home and the style of rugby um, that you have here. So again. I think it'd be a great opportunity for, he sounds like he's refreshed and he's, he's motivated. He's motivated to come back in, into an environment which we've talked about that he's passionate about. And I think, you know, you look at Jerome Kaino as, an, as another example who, who went back, mm -hmm. he went over to Japan, um, enjoyed his first part when he, when he did his first stint before he left to go to um, Toulouse. He came back refreshed and ready to go. And the very similar conversations that we're having now around Loms, around can he come back, be, or can we go back to his all black form? And he came back roaring. I remember that trip when he first came back, I think it was in 2014. He was rearing and ready to go and refreshed and uh, motivated, self-motivated to come back into that environment. Leon McDonald, I remember, did exactly the same thing. He went over to Japan and came back and mm. we went gangbusters straight back into the All Blacks and did mm. his, his whole thing. So if the Highlanders have got the big winner as far as the individual person is concerned, let's start with you, Bryn. Which team do you think came out of this squad naming with the um, probably made the most advantages or, or moved forward the most? Um, I think the Highlanders, it's, it's, it's done pretty well. I think with, with Liam, if we just talk about one individual person like you've talked about, I think the Blues, I think the Blues are pretty strong. You look at that, <laughs> you look at that, um, you look at that forward pick, honestly, with the, with bringing in Nepo and then I guess the, the growth in that, in that forward pick where they have from where they've come from last year um, and previous years, um, you know, they're pretty strong. And so you look at the loose forward trio, the propping ranks, even their locks, their whole, probably say their, their, their forward pack's probably one of the strongest in the comp. And then, um, again, you've got the young, exciting talents that they've signed as well. And, um, again, it's going to be interesting to see how they go without Bodie. But, again, with Otiti Black playing there, who we've, we've talked about previously, who I thought was tremendous for, for the Blues and was deserving of starting at 10 and having Bodie at fullback due to his mm. performance. So, you know, I think the Blues, Chip, I think, um, yeah, but you guys are looking good for 2021, big fella. Oh, <laughs> well... well. How good's that? Uh, what a way to finish the year. Righto, let's wrap it up. We're done. <laughs> uh, I, I went through the squads, and I, I think there's winners in all teams. Uh, we've touched on the Highlanders and the Squire was my big win for them. I think that win for the Chiefs is massive. I think it's massive for him um, as an individual, um, but also that team under his guidance and, and really grabbing that team by the scruff of the neck and, and making it his own. Uh, seeing what he can do when he does that at Harbour, and if he's given minutes on the park, he can he can be a really great general. So I think they're they're onto a beauty there. Um, Hurricanes, a little bit of injection of use. There's a lot of chat about this young young fellow, Reuben Love. Uh, he was he showed glimpses of it for Wellington uh, in the in the Mighty Ten Cup. But uh, from all things coming out of Wellington, this this kid's got a big future. But um, you know is 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 prepared to work for it, I think, is the biggest thing I've heard, and, and that's exciting for them. Um, you know, for ourselves, the, the Blues, I, I agree, I think the youth injection um, of Derry, Plumtree, AJ Lamb, and um, Waitamatavuki, Neptun's uh, guys choosing to come to the Blues uh, when they had offers elsewhere is what excites me. Uh, wanting to be a part of something, wanting to be a part of the change. Um, and, you know, you get, then you've got the a young man that's been in and around us for a while and Zan Sullivan who performed really well. So that youth injection um, while keeping a bit of experience is, is pretty exciting for the Blues. But, you know, I think the Crusaders, um, you know, and I'm not just coming back at Bryn here, but um, they've just had limited change. Four new cats, uh, a team full of All Blacks, a team full of um, Super Rugby champions, four in a row. Uh, it's an untouched squad, you know. Like they've kept a group together that's been so successful. And I think going into a, 
a new year with not a lot of change and they've had that amount of success. I think that's really exciting for them as well. Looking after that salary cap, eh? That's what it's all about. <laughs> love of the game down there. <laughs> not just the love of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I really like the look of, of all of the squads, actually. When I, I saw it, it looked like an even competitive mm. situation. Just jumping on what you said about Bryn Gatland, he is a guy who's never really been given a consistent chance, has he? He's never really at super rugby level. He's had to wait. He's been in and around squads, but it's just never quite happened for him. That's, that's what I was meaning before is like he didn't quite get those long consistent minutes before he came to Harbour and mm. then when he was given the mantle of this is your team he really took control and came came um, into his own and I think if he can be given that at super he's ready we've, we've shown uh, well we've he's shown he's clutch <laughs> um, he's shown his clutch you know in big moments so he's, he's ticked that with you know drop goals his whole career and um and and he's, he's that sort of first five i like to compare him you know we've spoken about Owen Farrell, but he'll always put the ball in front of you the ball and, and you just have that um you know like you're always running in front of the ball and, and he's a very forgiving first five he's got great game balance balance and i know there's a big jump between mighty 10 cup and super rugby and when he's been given his opportunities he's shown glimpse in but probably not consistent enough to enable that. But that's why I think with two young men and Caleb Trask and um, Rivers Rehana behind him, um, it really is his there to grab if he can go in there and impress them in pre-season and really uh, take control and lead them in the direction they want to go. Mm, yeah. And he's got Damien McKenzie there to help out as well, right? So you don't have all of the pressure on you at the 10 spot. No, that's it. And it's, it's bigger than that as well, you know, with the likes of, you think about Quintapaya as well. He had his first year of Super Rugby and he'll have more experience. And you've got Anton Leonard-Brown, who's a consistent performer in World Rugby. Um, it's going to help you as a 10. And we've talked about a lot. Um, it's really important for the 10s to have um, that support around them. You've got Brad Weber and Triple T and obviously Xavier Rowe, who mm. was very deserving of that um, of that last place in, in oh, sorry, that third halfback role. And, you know, when you've got a confident young man like that coming in, he's going to add, add value to that um, to that group. But I think for the biggest thing for Bryn as well, I think he's, he is ready. And um, as an inside back, it's really important to, to get those growth. You go through a lot of growth pains. I um, mean, you've, you've got to be in the saddle to have an understanding of what it's like. So he was given the keys at North Harbour and, you know, has, has played so well for us, not just this year, but the last probably three to four years he's been in and around us. So I guess the biggest thing for Bryn is he's got to go to that next level and really grab it. Um, you know, so... And that's the thing, in, well, probably at North Harbour, you know, we're pretty, he's pretty fortunate that he's probably the only 10 that's in, in our squad. So you know, it's trusted to him, you can do whatever you want. It's your team, the keys, we're, we're going to run through you. Whereas at Super Rugby League, you've got guys that are competitive as well. You know, Caleb Trask, yep. who I had a, um, had a week with in, um, at the Maldives, you know, he's a young kid coming up who's got a great sense of game management for such a young age. And you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in and around competing against Bryn. So I think if Bryn can get that competitiveness, which, which he does have, and, um, and, and really takes the ball by the horns, then... You know, going forward, I think that Chiefs team, it's going to, they're going to see a lot of benefit like we do at North Harbour when you know, he's got great game management. And coming back to Owen Farrell's point, he's, got, he's probably the best kicking 10, along with probably Altidia Black, around getting them in the right parts of the field. And um, a sharpshooter is a goal kicker, which you need, especially at Super Rugby level. So I'm looking, to see, looking forward to seeing how my old mate goes. And um, hopefully it doesn't go too well against us. But um, <laughs> no, I think it, it's, it's Bryn's time and I think he's going to be ready uh, for a big 2021. The other interesting player, uh, he was now slightly before the announcements, but Solomon Alemalo, mm. heading down to the Landers um, with a roof above his head, 
and able to do what he does. I feel like the Chiefs haven't ever quite got the full potential out of Solomon Alamalo. I think he, had, he definitely had that one year when he was on that All Blacks, All Blacks um, earmarked around the All Blacks and had, and had a really good season. And um, Injuries has probably hurt yeah. Solly a little bit, but I think what he's going to add down south is that they'll probably just a little bit... Um, but what's the word I'm looking for? They were a little bit underdone, I think, in the outside backs last year. They dropped and changed a lot with, you know, uh, well, even Sam Gilbert was there as well, who was from the Crusaders. You had, um, you know, Tima Fainukunuku as well. And, you know, then they finally started to go with, um, you know, were, who else was there? Um, Nariki and, and Scott Gregory. Yeah, and Scott Gregory in it. So, yeah. uh, but they were young. You know, we've talked about with the Blues having young signings around the outside backs. And sometimes it, do, it does take time. And, you know, a guy with that calibre who's performed at Super Rugby level and, Hopefully he's going to get more opportunities in that environment and hopefully he can find that form that you know, he was a couple of years ago where he was scoring tries and earmarked in and around that all-black environment. Right, well, let's move into our review of the year, eh? Figure out exactly who's done what and what's gone well. Um, player of the year, let's start right at the top. Let's not wait to the, uh, to, to the end to get the most important one out of the way. Who, who Jipper, for you, is the standout player of the season? Ash Dixon. I don't really need to say much. I just think his leadership, um, his, his play, mm. uh, and just doing it time and time again. And, and I just felt um, after his performance and his leadership of the New Zealand Māori, which I believe is of test match quality, um, he's he's in all levels for the Highlanders, Hawke's Bay, and uh, now for, for the Māori, I think uh, he, he warrants uh, my player of the year. I'm going to go Sam, Sam Kane. Uh, if we're going to go at international level, we've talked around him, um, you know, ho hopefully been a nomination for World Player of the Year. And I just think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, he's coming in his first full year um, as captain of the All Black side. And look, it wasn't wasn't all smooth sailing. There were a lot of mm. um, tough times where, you know, in the media. And um, for me, he just led, he led on and off the field. And um, you talk around a captain that you want um, to lead from the front. And I thought he did that um, on the field. Most importantly, that's where you want your leader to, to lead. And then um, showed resilience as well off the field, being able to go through some tough moments. And, um, you know, we're just, I'm just talking about international level. So if there was an international player of the year for, for New Zealand, just in New Zealand, I'd go, I'd go Sam Kane. And across the board, including super and international, if you were to look at as an entire season? Um, whole season. I'll probably go, Will Jordan's up there as well, I reckon, if I'm going super rugby. Mm. And I thought his... His growth and he was deserving of that All Black call up, and, and I got to see that every single day with him and his growth around. I mean, I know how attacking, uh, how well attacking he is. He attacks the ball really, really well and scores tries and makes massive line breaks in that. But um, for his growth and what he gave to us, an injection um, for us as our squad, and um, you know, he's, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes for um, for 2021. So especially with David Harvey in and around there as well, whether he's going to play fullback or wing, and Razor will probably make that decision moving forward. But you know, I thought Will Will Jordan was pretty spectacular this year. Now, I've also put on this list most influential player because I think sometimes the most influential player isn't always the standout player of the year. There are things that they do elsewhere, whether it's off the field or on the field that people don't necessarily see. That You know, you don't always see front rowers winning player of the year nominations, do you? But it doesn't mean that they haven't had a massive influence on a game. Jipper, what do you think about the most influential player? Well, I just named a front rower. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you, you know what I mean. I haven't seen one at the IRB Awards. No, no, no. I'm just joking. Uh, no, look. Most influential player for me, and I, I looked at it um, when they're on, they can change results. Um, so I had I couldn't knuckle it down to one, so I've, I've had to go two. Um, so the Highlands were struggling, and Aaron Smith wasn't playing as well. And then when he came back at Super Rugby Aotearoa, his game was on point, and he was influential in changing their style. 
and he did the same for the All Blacks. So I felt, you know, he's definitely up there. And then the other one is Richie Mwanga. I just, I just mm. think he's so influential at the, at the Crusaders in terms of getting them close results through those close moments and stepping up and taking control. And he did that as well for the All Blacks. Uh, yes, there were two All Black losses, but when he's on, he is probably the most influential player uh, in New Zealand rugby at the moment at both Super Rugby and International level. Yep. And the prettiest according to my wife. <laughs> what about for you, Brent? Yeah, look, I was I was going to go I was going to go Richie as well. Um, and I think that's just been a combination of him playing well at Super Rugby this year, and then once they actually decided to start playing the shape that we've talked about a lot on the show around um, being to go to his strengths. And you know, the biggest thing that for Richie, his biggest strength is when you're going out the back and you're going forward. His his ability to 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 go into that transition and be able to play, run, or kick, um, it's really helped his game. So um, moving forward, and obviously the injection of Brad Moore into that environment and probably opening that um, avenue for um, change of game plan. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing for Rich and uh, I know him personally that um, he wants to be influential in games and that's where he feels that in big games he wants to be um, grabbing the ball by the horns, which we've talked about with Brenner at, um, at the Chiefs. But yeah, Richie does that at Super Rugby level and then I was really pleased that this year at, um, at All Black level there were, there were moments in those test matches where he was the most influential player on the field, which um, Again, we've talked around transitioning it to the international level, and again, with probably with both Bodie going next year, um, you know, he's going to be probably be the ten moving mm. forward, moving for the next year, and so he's going to have that. Um, you talk around the keys to the to the game, so um, yeah, I just I, th I think Richard will continue to keep getting better, especially with playing more time in that ten jersey. Yeah, it's been good. He's been able to put in the keys and warm up the engine a bit for when he mm. you know, really needs to to run the show. And Will Jordan could get an opportunity at fullback. Who knows? Well, that's it. There's going to be some opportunities. Well, Geordie Barrett, I suppose, is around. Mm. But, you know, there's, that's going to provide some opportunities to some people at test level that we haven't seen for a while. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, yeah, well, look, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's, it's exciting uh, for those guys, you know, when, when Bodie is away, uh, the opportunities it creates, and then hopefully it brings the best out of my main man and Give me a year off trying to back him uh, to the girls come home. I have to grab someone now. <laughs> is he throwing free cans of Red Bull at you or something? Like, well, what's going on here? There's got to be Who's, who's the next one that's going to play 10 jump? Who, who are you going to say <laughs> now because Bo's not going to be there? <laughs> who's the next one coming through? His action back up and warrant my, my point. But well, this is the most influential player, Brenner. So I'm not, I'm not replacing him just yet. <laughs> Actually, it does leave a hole at the Blues as well. And you mentioned Zahn Sullivan a little <coughs> earlier. I mean, he, he did very well during the Mitre 10 Cup. You've got Stephen Petafetta um, hanging around. Um, that, that 15 access, especially because Stephen Petafetta does have 
injury worries regularly consistently, Zan Sullivan could become an important member of your squad. Oh, absolutely. And it was probably when we lost Stevie, it, it made us, you know, realise that maybe we're a little bit light in that 15 um, area. And, you know, fortunately, Bodie was prepared to go back there and play play there for us. But I, I, I just don't forget how good Stevie was going at 15 um, mm. before he got his injury on his foot. He's, he's a really quality uh, fullback and he, and he gives that sort of dual uh, pivot role for us. So, uh, look, I don't want to talk about potentially him being injured. I, I want to talk about him having a full season and, and really taking command of the side with, with Oteru Gwet. Hmm. Absolutely. Most improved player, Bryn? Yeah, most, I actually had, if we're talking about an international, I had Akira, Akira Ioane. Um, look, we've, we've talked about him a lot on the show and uh, it was very, very warranted because I think his growth, and his, we've talked about it, his, his growth in his game, we've always known how um, explosive, how much X-factor and flair he had when he had ball in hand, but it's his efforts off the ball. You know, it's that second, third effort, which has been talked about a lot in the media and, um, and, and through players, but, you know, now, you know, he's, we talked about his last, his stats last time he played, you know, he was first in pretty much everything, um, not just his ball carries, but tackling, line-out, which we've talked about a lot, Jip. Um, his line-out options now have been a, a genuine option and, mm. you know, we've talked around next year what it's going to look like for him and, again, you just hope to think that, um, and he probably he will actually, you can see that he's had a, a massive mindset shift and, um, again, he'll be in that blues environment which he feels real comfortable and he's a, he's a massive member in that, in that leadership group now and moving forward, so um, mine was definitely a kid. I, for who I also did have as well, I had Geordie Barrett. I had Geordie Barrett as well. I think last year he probably was in and around not figuring out what position he was, but mm. I know, traditionally he's a fullback and you'd love to see him at fullback. But you know, those times that he got on the wing and he was a lot more consistent and played a lot, um, a lot more consistently at international level, was outstanding in Super Rugby Aotearoa with, um, with the Hurricanes and was playing at fullback. And you know, probably could have played fullback for the All Blacks, but his brother was there, which had that um, dual, dual pivot and having them on the with Richie. But no, I thought Geordie Barrett... Um, was one of those players as well where I thought he was much improved uh, compared to last year. Geordie's similar, you talked about Brent Gatlin getting you know consistent time being able to run a team. Geordie's a, another guy that showed when you, mm. you get the ability to have a little bit more control, show more leadership, uh, a class player can step up even further, Jipper. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I think he had um, a tough run there um, at international level and He's just bounced back and gone from, from strength to strength in that mm. sense. It all came once and then he's, he's shown that true Barrett character of, of fight mm. and, and desire and want and he's worked at his game and then he's injected himself into the game and, and back with skill set at crucial times and he was a big factor and I suppose after a pretty tough start by the Hurricanes in Super Rugby Aotearoa, I think they dropped the first two or three games. They, they were right in the hunt there to you know, get into second and then, and then that big performance and that big win over the Crusaders at home, he was a big factor in that as mm. well. So he, he certainly warrants uh, a nomination or acknowledgement of, of great improvement in his game. Is he your man? No, he's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Two guesses. I've, I've, I've got a kid of um, yeah, but I'm yeah. going to think on my feet here uh, because I don't want to repeat what Bryn just said. He's, he has been exceptional and he's shown great uh, growth in his game. Uh, so he is my man, Akira Ioane, but Oscar Satudu is going to get a mention now with his <laughs> and the, the, the angle and the time to, to take it. Uh, I think for a guy that was, I suppose, a bit part squad member for us last year, yeah. for a full-time uh, number eight, uh, dominating Super Rugby and then taking that on to international level with, I know it isn't easy, but it, he made it look relatively easy in terms of when he was on that black jersey out on the field. And I think... 
the improvement in his game has been majority mental in his preparation for, for playing. And I, I think that can sometimes be overlooked of how hard that growth is and the work he would have put, had to have put in. And, it, and it's rewarded in performances and, and the, the, the skill set that we see on Saturday. But his, his growth as a person and as a player has just been exceptional this, this mm. year. So he is, like Geordie, warrants um, an acknowledgement and a nomination for that most improved. Mm-hmm. Freakish athlete, but did he have the freakish play of the year? Who's your freakish play of the year? So he just did something outrageous and it was amazing. Um, it was actually probably George Bridge. He did a, um, we're playing the Hurricanes in, um, in Christchurch and did a little, uh, we did a bridge pass and he put a little kick in behind and uh, used soccer skills. He, I, don't, I don't know if you remember that try, yeah. but used soccer skills and ran past Geordie Barrett for a, it was a flute try. But um, if you're talking about freakish and things that probably don't happen off the cuff and it's probably wouldn't, you know, happen one in a hundred, so. Uh, mine was, was George Bridge, but then I also had, collectively, I had the number eights in New Zealand. Yeah. The, the ability to, we've talked about a lot on the show around, you know, Hoskins, Akira, Peter Gus, and then even Marino as well, and then Fitzabal with us, being able to have Don't that. Do- Marty, he came down that blind channel. I tried to leave that, yeah, that's why I tried to leave that out of there. But no, yeah, you know, and Adi as well. Um, you know, How did they go again, Jipper? Oh, Smash. mate, I'm sure you can edit it in. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get the guy to go and dig it out now. Yeah, the gift uh, that keeps on giving, man. The gift that keeps on giving. The were uh, on the fence, you know, right in that right-hand corner down in uh, Crosswick. There was a quick look and Artie just went blind. And, you know, I think he made some good metres, bro. I mean, you'd be up <laughs> Very dominant ball carry, though, was he? You have that on the stats. I know you like your stats. It was a dominant ball carry for Big Artie. <laughs> but, um, I'm sure you can pull out the archives of Will Skelton indenting me into the grass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, as well, but those, those are probably not freakish, but I think just the um, the ability that our number eights have been able to play at the back of the scrum and how much it's posed um, problems this year for, uh, for a lot of teams defensively. What about you, James? Oh, it breaks me to say it, um, but that Richie Moana grubber kickoff that changed the game. Yeah. Um, it still hurts, to be honest. I can't even... It, it was just such a bold play and he nearly went 40 metres to score and it just, you know, we'd just scored through Rico and, you know, got up 17-9 and, yeah, the rest of history. <laughs> You're not going to like my one then. It involved Bowden Barrett and Nani Lamaped. Uh, the mm. pace. Yeah. Like, I didn't know he was that fast. Do you know he was that fast? Well, Bodie's, mate, Bodie's bloody lightning. Yeah. He's lightning, and so um, it just shows how much speed Nani has. And so we always know how destructive with ball and hand he is, but, um, you know, probably that top-end speed. You know, if you can get around Bodie Barrett, who's probably one of the quicker rugby players in New Zealand and world rugby. Also, Bryn, it was his footwork to get him off balance. Yeah. He showed great feet to get on his outside, hmm. and then he just took off, you know. But it was that slight little bit of footwork that just checked, I suppose, flat-footed Bodie a little bit. Yep. And then he was just gone, and there was no way back after that. I seriously thought Bodie was going to catch him as well. Yeah. You know, my, my first thing is, oh, yeah, he's got around him, but I thought Bodie would catch him, but then, man, he just turned on the turbo jets and be interested to see what his GPS numbers are. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We'll be bragging about that, which I should. <laughs> you, you're so used to seeing Bodie run him down in the corner. There was, I think it was in Scotland, there was that, was it on Stuart Hogg? And he got him right in the corner when they were about to score. You see those things all the time oh. from Bodie, but. He just couldn't quite get there. Well, I mean, and it's your old teammate as well, which probably added it to as well. You know, playing for the Hurricanes and then Nani's probably, you know, that's probably one that he's going to use against him moving forward yeah, for yeah. the rest of his career. But, um, yeah, how good. Yeah, it was very, very, very good. Uh, biggest talking point for you, Jeff. What's been the thing that has been of most interest to you about this season? Oh, 
Well, I probably misread this question, sorry, Ross, because I was thinking uh, the biggest sure. talking point is, oh, it's not it's not personal, um, but I think, you know, there was a massive um, focus on the All Blacks coaching um, selection, mm. and, and I suppose um, that was that was dragged out for a, for a wee while, and then as well as that, I suppose, sport and what sport looks like after COVID. I think those have been the two sort of uh, the big stories, um, and I suppose widest attention like what you know you, you can talk about games and certain things like that but if you looked at i suppose the new zealand rugby fans as a whole those were the two sort of stories that they were focused on mostly yeah yeah and do you feel like in the end at the end of the year they everything was right you know they they, they reacted to COVID right and and the coaching selections were right did it all prove to work out the way that new zealand rugby wanted it to oh look it probably um it still does to me Personally, but you know there are two test losses, so they they wouldn't have liked that. But I think they they've got um, a group that's pretty good at bouncing back and and as building resilience, and they and they they've got players and they're embedding players into their system. And I think we got the two trophies. We spoke about that last week. Uh, I don't think you can play in a pretty tough year. Um, it wasn't easy on that coaching group in a, mm. in a, in a year that no one else has experienced. Uh, you, you'll never know if someone could have done better because, you know, hopefully we don't go through it again. But I think as a whole, um, it was pretty successful response to COVID um, from the government down, uh, enabled us to, to get back to living life as quick as possible. And then selection of the coaching group, I think, that they've shown glimpses of evolution in the All Blacks game, flooding talent, and, and I think exciting for where they can go to towards that 2023. But they will have their hands full, of, you know, based on what we saw of a, a pretty inexperienced French team do do something nearly pretty special this morning in England. So mm. uh, there's a lot of uh, young talent putting their hand up in international footy at the moment. Mm. That, that French team, I mean, going into extra time is, is fantastic always. I suppose that's one of the things that also changed this year was the golden point. Did you like that? We didn't really get to see much of it, but did you like that idea? Yeah, I think having that idea, you actually have, have a result in the game. And I think, you know, we had it at Super Rugby Aotearoa around, um, around extra time and having that, um, having that as, as a possibility. And I think as viewers as well, you want to have a, have a winner as well. And th I think, you know, some people might think they're deserving of a draw and might like that concept, but I think as, as consumers and as viewers, you want to, be see, want to see a winner. So anytime you can add that form of drama into games, and um, I know it's probably tough for the players, but you think about um, it's most important for our fans um, that they get their bang, bang for buck as well. Brendan, it is tough, but that's what a test match is. You mm. know, like we spoke about it being, you know, test match footy is test match footy and uh, that war of attrition, and they went 15 minutes this morning and, and you know, they just, oh, they were toiling, you know, and it, and it just was, although the game itself wasn't the most exciting because there was a lot of kicking, but it was, that last, that 15 minutes of extra time was just like, you could see no one wanted to give a penalty away. There mm. was just so much tension. It was exciting to watch. So I think it definitely mm. adds a positive dimension to international rugby, but also other levels of rugby. And I think Canterbury got that intercept against uh, Wellington, which was proved pretty crucial in the end in the Mitre 10 Cup as well. So it, it's shown it's, it's got worth and uh, to continue trialling, I suppose. That's something to hold on to there. This is completely out of left field. I haven't briefed you guys on it, but it just came to my head, so here we go. Mm. I say we get rid of the three tries extras bonus point. I don't like that rule. I don't like getting bonus points for three tries more than another place, and I think it, it gets a bad 
Like for instance, if you were the Highlanders and you play under a roof, you're more likely to be able to score tries as opposed to a team that plays outside in the rain. I think it's unfair. I think it always has been. I think that's something they should get rid of. So you'd rather just go back to the seven, within seven, yeah. and score four tries and you get a bonus point? Um, I would say within seven, and that's it. That's it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any bonus points for tries. Um, I think New Zealand players already want to score tries. I don't think they need to be motivated to score tries. I think it's unfair on some teams that play in the rain, play outside, play in Christchurch as opposed to an afternoon game in Auckland. We're going to have those things happening this year as well. It's an unfair system that I think needs to change. What do you think, Jeffa? Yeah, I mean, as you said, you haven't proved me, but your, your argument's great. I'm probably uh, going to agree with you there, Rob. I look, I think it like, I look at us, well, it's like for us, even though we played, if you think about Christchurch, wet footy in that week, we got the most bonus points during that mm. competition system. So um, it does, it does, it does make it. If you do get a bonus point, especially in a, um, if you're thinking about Super Rugby Aotearoa, it's hard to get bonus points. Yeah. But then you look at Mita, you look, if you look at Mita Ten Cup, you know they're giving away. If you score four tries, you know which most teams do in the competition, you can actually walk away going into a semi-final, probably losing an extra game than some other teams. So. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I probably find in Mighty Tinker I struggle with because we've been on the receiving end of it for the last two, three years is that teams with other wins um, have had more wins, but the guys that have lost more, but they've had more bonus points actually end up making the, so the semifinals. Let me get this straight. You didn't like it in Mighty because you were affected by it negatively. <laughs> because you were affected by it positively. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just giving other points for the good and the bad of it. If I had my preference of one, one system that I'd, I'd like, I actually reckon having the, the three tries more than a team, it's because it's harder to get a bonus point. Yeah. So if that, I actually I actually like that system again because yeah. I'm obviously at the Crusaders, but I, just in general as a rugby as a rugby um, person, I actually rather that bonus point system because it's harder to get bonus points and, that, and you're actually deservant mm. of an extra point. Whereas I think in Mitre 10 Cup, it's so much easier to to get those extra points, especially yeah. in competitions as well. Yeah, I just think we always hear about a win as a win, you know, win ugly if you need to, etc. And I just feel like it flies in the face of almost everything that rugby's about. You know, grinding out, doesn't matter how it's done, you're going to have an off day, you make it happen. Mm. You know, and, and then another team can, can walk into a, a game, you know, let's say you played the Sunwolves in Japan and it's, you know, 500 degrees, you get, it's, you know, it's, it's a more difficult place to, to run for an entire game. Whereas if you're playing in New Zealand in a more temperate climate, you know, are you going to be able to have all of the, uh, the ability to score more points? I would have thought maybe yet, you know, I'd... Mm. I don't know, maybe that doesn't work with the Sunwolves comparison, but mm. it just doesn't work for me. And I've, I felt like if there's one thing that needs to change in rugby, I think that that's it. A win is enough. Mm. A win is enough. Well, yeah, I think I've just kind of just talked around those points yeah. again. Um, it's rewarding, you know, winning and not, again, I'm just talking predominantly around the Mighty Cup system around, because that's probably the, the bonus point system where a hard win and some losing, they're getting extra points and it ends up um, hurting in the end of the season. So... Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point, Ross. And look, mate, you've got a, you've got a case, mate. You've got a case. <laughs> well, I'll take it to the powers that be. <laughs> they haven't listened to me in the past. They're not going to start <laughs> listening now. <laughs> um, but on that note, um, Jipper, if there's a law you would like changed, what would you like to see changed? Um, oh, I found this one really hard to come up with. Because I think there are some adjustments um, this year that, that, you know, sort of made the game better, you know, around, I suppose, that, especially that defensive line um, and, and giving a little bit more of a, a, a leeway to slow that um, rush defence down in, in Super Rugby Aotearoa and, and for, a, you know, a little bit more of an ability to play. Uh, but the only thing I say is on those 
adjustments. I think we saw a lot more penalties in the first few weeks, and it's just, I suppose, having the courage to keep to that standard until it until it adjusts, not adjust the standard uh, because it's not, uh, I suppose, correcting at the at the faster rate. So, I don't have a specific uh, rule change, but just the consistency of it week to week would be my biggest things of any further rule change. And then I think we probably do need to look to start getting some clarity around the clean out area because we saw two yellow cards um, in the in the Wallabies Argentinian mm. game. And I'm not saying they're not yellow cards, but it's becoming pretty costly. And, and I looked at both of those and it's quite hard. You know, if someone's going to go for a steal and they put their, their head um, around that area, it's pretty impossible to move them, uh, trying to wrap them. Um, yeah. So just getting, I suppose, a fairer contest in and around that breakdown around the hunter and the cleaner. Because mm. we talked about it off, off here, Ross, probably the last time there was a massive rule change at Heavens in New Zealand was around taking the jacket out of the game. We did it at Mighty Ten Cup in, in 2016 and mm. um, it was it made a lot more free-flowing, but obviously it just took away. If we're talking around moving forward around the danger of the breakdown, you think about you know head contacts and um, being able to go in a direction where we want to try and help the um, head collisions. Um, that was a that was a form that we did uh, back in 2016. It probably took away the contact area, but um, mm. again, defenses are so, are so good right now. Where I probably feel they're a lot more dominant. We've talked around on this show a lot and trying to educate our fans around the kicking, what that's had to had, what's had to come at the forefront now because of how good defenses are and being able to get in behind them with attacking kicks. What we've tried to educate our viewers around and what that looks like, and then an understanding of, it, of the contestable games and being able to uh, put teams in advice and really just really smother them. And then once you do get in the attack enough, you've got the opportunity to to attack. So. Um, whether they try and alter, because they, they tried in Super Rugby Aotearoa this year as well with around um, the, the interpretation of being able to lift the ball up and not yeah. just jackling down like most sevens would in the competition. You know, the likes of Lockie Boshier and Duplessis Karifi, you know, being uh, really dominant before COVID and then that little law change took them out of the game and it tried to speed up speed up the game and not make it so penalty focused around mm. the jackal. So I think they just need to, yeah. Because the defence teams are so dominant right now, um, there has to be maybe some form of the interpretation of the law around the breakdown that might need to alter, be altered a little bit. Because I don't think we can go back to that 2016 law where it was a free throw, you know, ball was getting kicked out, and yeah. um, you know, it was a little bit ugly. So, uh, but I think they're just defences are too good right now, and there has to be some form of um, maybe a law change alter or. There has to be a solution or another idea that attacking coaches haven't had yet, had yet so far. Somehow getting the defensive line less set, getting more people into the breakdown. Like you saw the Argentinians, they, they almost didn't have a single person in the breakdown, Jabu, mm. and that went against the All Blacks. Like, surely that is the way to free up the game, isn't it? To, to somehow allow the backs to be free. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think for Untouchment, there were attempts in Super Rugby Aotearoa to do that around, obviously, the lifting of the ball, but also mm. the attacking cleaners had to come a lot squarer and not you weren't allowed to come off your feet, so it wasn't that sort of flying in uh, mindset. But that's what I was alluding to before, is it's like if you're going to do it, just stick to it, stick to your guns, and it might take a while to get the adjustments. Um, but I think there wasn't a lot of... Um, I suppose, conviction and what that pitch actually looked like. And I think that's a hard thing for refs as well. I've got to understand for refs, there's a lot of rule changes here and there and what, what mm. their interpretation as a whole or as individuals is important um, to get that adjustment. But I, I agree with Bryn that the, the way of breaking down defences now is that kicking game. And I think we're getting plenty of feedback at the moment, especially after this morning's test match. I think 
um, you know, France kick 59 kicks in play and 55 for England. You know, that's, mm. that's getting to a really excessive number and, and pretty much force-back style. So there does potentially need to be an adjustment to, to make sure that our game is still a spectacle people want mm. to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and speaking of the spectacle, there was obviously big changes this year because of COVID with Super Rugby Aotearoa and then obviously the South Africans have left Super Rugby. Are you happy with the way that the structure looks for next year? We, we're looking like we're on the right track? I think we are. I think, again, COVID was at the forefront of that and been able to um, restrict travelling. Um, but, again, hopefully this moving forward, the, the vaccination will come forward and then, um, you know, borders will be able to be open and we'll be able to go overseas and, um, you know, being about, we talk about the All Blacks as well, international teams will be able to come in here, not just um, Australia and um, Argentina. So it opens up the whole competition. It brings back to being World Rugby where we're playing the Northern Hemisphere teams and it's vice versa. So, um, yeah, just like to think that those re those restrictions will uh, be gone and, you know, getting back into a bit of normality would be nice for us moving moving forward. But I think one thing I do want to, well, I would love to see change in the Mighty 10 Cup mm. would be the 14 teams play playing just um, one whole competition. Um, we did talk about it, yeah. like having the north and the south and being able to do that and whether you have, you have pools and then there's the winners of either conferences that move forward because I just think we've got to a point now in Mighty 10 Cup where the championship teams are so much more competitive now and with the defeat they're, they're beating the premiership team. So I think that when they first when they first did it, it was probably fair around probably the, the smaller unions at the start probably didn't have the, the, um, the catchment of players where, it was, um, where they would be um, competitive but now you know, teams are, you look at the resurgence of South and North and beating, you know, premiership teams. So I think it'd be great for um, for the public to have a, a, a um, one winner and 14 teams been in that competition. So I don't know what you think about that, Jip, but well, I think... Look at how much it meant to Bay to have a trophy in, in their community and their public. And I, that's what I like about the premiership and championship. I think it's mm. been exceptional this year in, in giving purpose to communities to get behind their team. You know, Northland going to the final, you know, Otago... Um, you know, home semi, and and do those teams factor, and do those communities get as excited if they're if they're playing for you know positioning themselves at seventh or eighth out of fourteen? I don't think so. So mm. personally, for me, I think Premiership and Championship is is a pretty strong base for where it needs to stay. And yeah. I know that's hard enough because we're probably going to well, we are going down to the Championship, but that gives an exciting opportunity for us to strive for. Uh, that championship trophy again and, and earn the right to get back above. Mm, and I think consistency is important. Uh, we chop and change, constantly chop and change, don't we, with our competitions, the structures, mm. the amount of teams in Super <coughs> Rugby, the structure of, you know, what was the New Zealand Cup that became, you know, the ITM Cup and the Maya Ten Cup. It's constantly changing. Mm. And for me, I feel like I like the way it is now. Mm. And, and I want to get used to that competition. You know, just it's almost an admission of constant failure to continually change it, like that the ideas are constantly not quite right. But mm. for me, they've got it about right. Jeez, mm. let's just carry on and let people carry on with the thing that they know. I don't even think it's about right. I think they've got it bang on. Like, I think this year's been the best advert for it and, and, it, and it shows that, I suppose, the balancing out of it um, is, is showing that teams in the championship have that ability to beat premierships. But those points are so crucial and building their season towards the trophy. And um, I suppose just to touch on the other comps, um, you know, for me, Super Rugby Aotearoa, we know is a, is a winner. Uh, you know, uh, everyone got in behind it. The key now is that uh, we keep that atmosphere and keep getting bums on seats because the beauty of that is that adds to the atmosphere and that adds to the games. 
uh, and getting people along to those games. And, and I hope that continues into next season. I think that's a massive part of why Super Rugby Aotearoa is so awesome to watch and be a part of is because the fans came out and, and you know, it's mm. massive for us players when you're at home and you've got those screaming fans and it's also exciting when you go away and you hear the other side of it as well. So I think that's crucial to the success of Super Rugby Aotearoa again. And then it's eyes open, get excited for something potentially new in the Trans-Tasman aspect of it for me. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like, but I think we should just, you know, be be excited by the change um, and what this change is going to bring for, for you know, post-Super Rugby Aotearoa and another trophy up for grabs. I think one thing they have got right in that new structure that there's a final as well. Mm. I think um, if you look around when we that game, the last game we're going to play against the Blues. You know, imagine if that was at Eden Park, was a sold-out stadium, and that was for a final. Yeah. So, I think that's one thing that we probably did miss out a little bit this year with the competition and um, having that final aspect. It just brings so much more for players as well. So, and we're talking around your point around bonus points. Then the bonus points don't become so much of an issue, and you can yeah. be able to play that you know, the two top teams that are deserving of that position. So. You know, that would have been a great spectacle to have you know, 40,000, 50,000 at Eden Park for a final. And then I'm very you know, pleased that for next year, both in both competitions, there'll be finals as well. So you're playing for something other than just you know, consistent every single week saying, oh, we need a bonus point here, we need to win or uh, lose within seven. So I think they've got that, um, that structure right moving forward. So that's one exciting thing. What is the most exciting thing for you about next season? Well, hopefully, um, you know, continue to keep winning with the Crusaders. I think for us, mate, it's um, never going to happen. Oh, it's um, yeah. no, it's exciting. I think any time, um, any time you get to try and do something special, and you know, for us, we've you know, got aspirations and goals, you know, to keep continuing to win. So, um, you know, always excited for that. But there's so many challenges around that, and mm. look, we've talked about the depth in the squad in New, in New Zealand, and um, it gets tougher and tougher every single year. So. That's um, going to be a great encounter, and again, like I've just talked about, there's a final aspect as well. So it's going to add to the um, it's going to add to the competition, and um, yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing. Looking forward to for next year. And for you? Yeah, I think we sort of just touched on. It. I think that the change of tournament and, and giving our fans a clear understanding of where uh, the competitions are going, who's winning, who's losing, and, and uh, away from the conference system. I think it's really clean cut um, and gives you the ability. Um, as a community and as a group to get behind your teams and, and just enjoy the footy that's at play. Hmm. Which player, this is the final question, which player is going to enjoy the off-season the most and why? Let's start with you, uh, who's currently swanning off at a beach with his shirt off half the time. <laughs> um, on his handicap. Ash Dixon, for me. I think he's just had such a massive year. Um, yeah, I've touched on him, but I just think he can sit back and... and know that he made some great change and shift in where the Highlands are going, not only next year, but uh, beyond. Uh, he's been exceptional with the, with the Magpies and, and uh, you know, we touched on him, the Māori, but I just hope he sits back and, and you know, just takes stock of what has been an exceptional year mm. for him as an individual and, and really enjoy his break and come back refreshed to, to lead that Highlanders team again. Mm. Yeah, I actually had Ash as well, but I'm yeah. going to go, I'll go with Aki, Akira. Yeah. So, look, he's... Um, you know, we've talked about him a lot this year, and and so so we should have. You know, he had a great um, Super Rugby outside and then you know was rewarded with the All Black, being back in the All Blacks. You know, hadn't been there since three four years ago, so was deserving of his call up. And then again, his performances um, that well, you know, obviously didn't get the opportunity to play because of that red card and got taken off early. But you know, his his the way he finished the year in his Test match. Um, you know, we talk, we've always talked about potential with Akira and around what it might look like moving forward. But you know, like that's the standard, and it's a great beaconing for you know the rest of New Zealand and him for him you know the last performance that we saw him play 
was his best test match and the best game that he's played um, in his career. So, look, I think he's got a nice off-season coming off and I hope, you know, still in, still in quarantine, unfortunately, but once they get once he gets out, no doubt he'll spend um, a lot of time with friends and family and then be raring to go for that um, that impressive blue side for 2021. <laughs> who's going to enjoy the off-season the most? Like, who's going to be the guy who's, who, who is the biggest partier over that off-season period? Who's, David Harvilli. He yeah. will be enjoying it. On the Snapchats and Instagrams I got from him after his work, after their win in Tasman. So, now nah, he'll be down at Nelson <laughs> and getting back in Mot- Motueka and yeah. um, enjoying a bit of time with uh, family and friends, I can imagine, old David Harvilli. <laughs> For you, Jeff? Oh, we touched on it before, uh, but Tony Lamborn uh, doesn't mind having his name in lights and the fact that he got Southland Player of the Year and everyone's uh, pumping his smiles up. He will be uh, enjoying the spoils of that, no doubt. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.